Today's episode is brought to you by Podcast Pipeline. We'll take care of all your podcast production so you can focus on your business. Visit us at podcastpipeline.com. Here's the question. Are you a business owner wanting to grow your business, but you're struggling with how your podcast can help? Well, welcome to the show that's about to change all that. I am your host, Cliff Duvinois, and in this podcast, we're taking the problems of podcasting head on. Entrepreneurs like you will share their strategies, tactics, and tips that they use every day with their podcast to make it an effective marketing and revenue tool in their toolkit. Welcome to Entrepreneurs on Podcasting. Hey there, world changers, and welcome to another episode of Entrepreneurs on Podcasting. Now, today's guest is the world's most industrious storyteller, and I love story. Now, having grown purpose-driven brands by as much as 600%, that's huge. He's a 35-plus-year veteran of the advertising industry. He is the author of Brand Bewitchery and co-authored The Narrative Gym for Business. He is sought after internationally to help leaders excel through the stories that they tell. Please welcome to the show the host of the popular weekly Business of Story podcast, Park Howell. Park, how are you? Cliff, thank you very much for having me. I am doing great. How are you doing? I am doing well, sir. Thank you for asking. And I got I to gotta tell you, I'm really excited about this podcast because I'm a huge advocate of using media platforms to share your story. This is your bread and butter. So I'm really super excited to have you on the show today. And thank you so much. Oh, man, I am happy to be here and always happy to share anything I might know on storytelling. Good. So what I'd like to do, normally I would just jump right in and start talking about podcasting. But in reading over your, your website and your backstory a little bit, cause I'm a sucker for a good story. You actually started off in the advertising space. And then at the age of 55, you answered the call of being an entrepreneur and went all in on business story. So I, I got to kind of take a step back, you know, just talk briefly about what made you get into advertising. And what made you decide after all that time to hang up your hat and go full-time into promoting business with story and helping brands tell their story? Yeah, well, it really goes back to when I was a little kid and I started playing the piano because of my grandmother, Mabel, who I, she sat down one day when I was a little tiny dude and was playing and it blew me away. And I said, I want to be able to do that. And then I started writing songs and little ditties here and there and whatever. And I you know, came up through high school playing the piano. I went to Washington State University, got a degree in music composition and theory, but figuring, Cliff, that I wasn't going to make any money as a composer, I also got a degree in communications, <laughs> public relations, right. journalism. And that's where those two disciplines came together was in the advertising world when I graduated. And I spent a decade after my graduation working for different agencies and whatever, um, honing my skills in writing and in account service work and media and radio production. I did a whole ton of radio commercials and I absolutely loved it because it was such theater of the mind. And I was trying to tell stories there, not, not intentionally, I mean, just having fun with the medium. And now yes. in hindsight, when I look back, I go, gosh, they were, they were so successful because they were always some sort of wacky story that I was telling about the, the, the customer. And then in 1995 is really when I became an entrepreneur because that's when I started my ad agency, Park & Co. in Phoenix, Arizona, which I ran for 10, well, 20 years there. The first 10 years up till 2005 was a lot of fun. The second 10 years, not so much. And what Ooh. I had seen, we have done, and we had grown quite large for the, the area out here, the local market, is that advertising was being consumed by digital media. And our brands and our yes. clients used to own the influence of mass media. But through the internet, of course, the masses became the media. And it sort of sucked the living daylights out of creativity of advertising, of which I knew in traditional media. And even more importantly, it was so hard to be heard. I think digital marketing, most of it, 95% of it simply doesn't work. And yet clients are happy to give you their money to go and do it for them. And it, you just don't get the return. I was never comfortable doing that. So I started studying story in around 2003, 2004 to figure out 
how do you get heard in this really noisy world out there? And yes. what I found was, you know, the ancient power of story is the way we homo sapiens, or another way to think of it, we storytelling monkeys make meaning out of the madness of being human beings. And it's still today <laughs> the structure of story that we pay attention to no matter what channel you're on. So I pivoted away from my 20-year-old agency at that point. I was fed up with the agency world. I had already been employing storytelling in our work for the previous decade. And I said, I'm all in on the business of story. My folks went and got other jobs. Some of them worked with me a little bit. But now all I do is consult, teach, coach, and speak on the power of story in business. Nice. I absolutely love that. Now, so I want to take a, a quick step back because you you said that the business of story framework has you know been with you. How did you develop it? Yeah, well, I was lucky. And the universe has this way of answering your call, I found out. Yes, When you're really does. passionate about something and you dive into it and you don't know why other than you're like, there's something here and I don't know what it is. So the problem I was trying to solve back in 2002, 2003 is to be heard, help our clients continue to grow in the mayhem of the internet. And I didn't have any answers, Cliff. And I was lucky because our middle child, our son Parker, went to film school at Chapman University over in Orange, California, a very prominent film school. And he graduated, what, he went 2006 to 2010, graduated, spent the last uh, 11 years in Hollywood directing primarily virtual reality films and so forth. So he was all in. But here's the thing. When he was going to school there, and I was on my journey to try to figure out how do you communicate in this noisy world, I asked Parker, I said, send me your books and your lecture notes and even any recordings you have of your classes nice. when you're done with them since I'm paying for them, <clears throat> because I want to know <laughs> what do they teach young, up-and-coming, aspiring professional storytellers like you to be competitive in the most competitive storytelling market in the world, LA and Hollywood, what could I learn from that that I could apply in my own world? And that's where I found the hero's journey, Joseph Campbell. And I'm like, oh my God, here's yes. a template to really powerful brand storytelling and so I mapped it to what a business mind would think about it. And I took the hero's journey and built my 10-step story cycle system, which then we used to great effect in building out brand story strategy. And that's, Cliff, when I got really excited. So now, you fast forward, we're about 2009. And I've had my agency almost 10 years at this point. But even then, well, actually more than 10 years, 14 years, that's when I realized that my old agency was going to be going away. It's my off-ramp into doing this new thing because I so enjoyed teaching our customers and our clients about how story worked, how to use it in their work. And that's what really led me to where I am today. Excellent. And because I, I really do want to uh, get to the, the podcast and yummy stuff here, but mm -hmm. I think this is going to be kind of very important for us as we move forward. And I, I definitely want to make sure I, I'm, I'm checking all my boxes. Would you briefly share with us what the story cycle system is? Yeah, it is a 10-step a process, and it is captured in my book, Brand Bewitchery, How to Wield the Story Cycle System to Craft Spellbinding Stories for Your Brand. But it takes you on a strategy uh, trek. And it starts like chapter one is essentially the backstory. And what that is, is really defining what your brand stands for in the market. So you're setting the stage for your overall brand story, right? I'll go quickly through it. Chapter two is all about the hero in your story. And oh, by the way, it's not you or your brand. It's always your customers. So I have you yes. identify your top three audiences. And then we focus on your number one audience to build out the rest of it. Chapter three is what's at stake. This leads to your unique value proposition that helps them get what they want in the world. Chapter four is the obstacles and antagonists. This is where you find story tension. What is happening in the market that is pushing back on your customer and your brand that you can actually leverage in kind of a jujitsu move sort of way to make your brand stand for something even greater in their minds because you are helping them overcome those obstacles and antagonists. Chapter five 
is the mentor. This is where you come in. This is where you define what your core personality or brand archetype is that will inform how you show up every day from your website to your sales presentations to whatever else. It is the impetus for your creative communication. Then we go on. um, Chapter six is journey. So we now start collecting stories that you can tell about your brand and demonstrating the real world impact you make for your customers, for your colleagues, for the communities you serve that then start becoming content for your marketing plan and so forth, which leads to chapter eight, nine, and 10, which are about your marketing plan, how you're going to market with your story strategy. Chapter nine is literally after you've done all this work, the moral of your story, right. this is what your brand purpose statement is. And it doesn't come till chapter nine because you've got to do all that heavy lifting in advance of that. And that's when the aha yes. comes for and say, oh, now that we've done all the story work, this is our singular purpose. And then chapter 10 is how do you scale your story through repeat business, word of mouth marketing, and get people telling your authentic story. And that's why the Story Cycle System is a brand story strategy platform. And so now that we understand that, let's take a step back here for a second. And you've launched your business. You know, you've decided you're going to go all in on business story. And so you've done that. And at some point in time, you say, I'm going to start a podcast. So first off, what made you decide to start a podcast? Well, I actually started the podcast before I launched Business of Story. Well, I still had my agency partner. Oh, nice. I launched it July 1 of uh, 2015. And the reason why is podcasting was just getting going. And remember, I told you how much I love producing radio commercials and yes. you know, generating theater of the mind and imagery. Well, the podcast was a natural outlet for me. And I don't do any video podcast. I just do only audio. And the reason being is that was going to be my platform for a few different things. Number one, I had, so at this point by 2015 had read a gazillion books, watched a gazillion videos. There weren't a lot of podcasts on story at the time. And I wanted to start interviewing these people I read and I wanted to literally learn as much as I could. So I launched the podcast with my own interest of who are the top leaders that I could get on that I would learn from? And I figured if I'm learning from them, then my listeners are going to learn from them. And uh, gosh, that was 350 episodes ago. My shows are every Monday and it has been my single marketing platform for the business of story. Now I've got a website and I've got social channels and all that, but I've almost given up blog writing. And because I got some really good advice from probably the top mind in content development. And that's Joe Polizzi of Content Marketing World. He is like the go-to guy. And I had him on my show early in the podcast, in my generation of the podcast. And he said to me, Mark, if you're you're starting your show, it's going to take you 16 to 18 months to build any traction. So you have to be there day in and day out, be super consistent, never miss and just know that you're going to bumble along with a hundred or two subscribers for could be the first 12 months. And you're going to feel like nothing is working. And then you're going to see that hit. And that's kind of what I saw. I was lucky. I I was able to get up to a couple thousand subscribers in my first year, but it wasn't until that 16th to 18th month mark did I see it really take off. And so Joe was absolutely crystal clear and dead on on that advice. The other thing he told me, He says the mistake people make are trying to produce too much content on too many different channels. So none of it is very good, nor is it very consistent. And I had already written hundreds and hundreds of blog posts at that point, and I was burned out of doing it. And so I really, I still do some podcasts and blog posts, but my core messaging is a podcast. I have not missed a Monday in almost seven years. And I've got four shows produced, so I won't miss any in the next month. (laughs) And then I take those (laughs) shows and I atomize that content into sometimes uh, blog posts, but of course, LinkedIn posts, Instagram posts, and everywhere else. But that is my singular focus is the Business of Story podcast. 
Hey everyone, we're going to take a short break to thank our sponsors, but you'll definitely want to come back for part two of the interview. Our guest, Park, is going to share with us a very simple story strategy that you can use to make everything that you write or every podcast episode that you make way much better and more entertaining for your listeners. You'll definitely want to check that out. Today's episode is brought to you by Podcast Pipeline. Editing your podcast consumes hours of your time every week. After all, you're an entrepreneur, not an audio engineer. The point being is that those hours could be spent on your business and with your family. That's why Podcast Pipeline offers full podcast production services. We take care of your podcast so you don't have to. And that means your time will be yours again to focus on what's really important. Visit us at podcastpipeline.com to learn more about how our services can help you. And now back to the show. I love that you say that, and I, we'll have to make sure that we we dive into that a little bit more about podcasting being the, the tip of the of the marketing spear for mm -hmm. for your company. Let's take a step back here because you've worked with Fortune 500 companies, right? Feedspot says you got the number one business story podcast out there, and so kudos to you for that. What has podcasting done for your business? You decided that this was going to be your platform that you were going to focus on, but really in terms of like tangibles. What is it? What has it done for your business? Yeah, I'll tell you right now, Cliff, and it might be kind of a downer for your audience. It's not a windfall. It's not like, oh my God, I heard your show. I've got to have you come out. It's quite different. It's quite contrary to that. So we use it. We get great SEO out of it. <clears throat> we have great listenership. And when I get hired for business, sometimes, most of the time, honestly, they have never even heard my podcast. They have right. our SEO pops me up there because of the work we do with the podcast and the backlinks and so forth we get. They come and they hit my website. They look and see that I've got a podcast. They may at that point listen to one and say, geez, I like this guy. This guy seems to know what he's talking about. Um, right. Those that do listen, it's kind of weird. You get a little bit of podcast celebrity to it. So when they hire you and you come out, they go, oh, my goodness, I get to meet you in person. I've been listening to your voice for the last two years. This is so cool to finally meet you, which is always a little bit odd for me. But I right. can tell you, I sometimes take a deep breath and ask my wife, Michelle, I go, gosh, this is so much work. I do enjoy it, but I really wonder what the ROI is on it. And it's then I will get a note from a listener saying, I just listened right. to such and such a show and it just changed my whole thought process on this. Or this show here was so nice. helpful to me. And honestly, Cliff, that's what keeps me going. Now, I might get two or three of those a month, but that's all I hear. So if you're in the podcast right. world, even if you feel like people aren't responding to you, you're having an impact out there. And I think it's yes. important for people to remember that. Yeah, I absolutely agree with it. You know, the one thing I always tell people, especially when I'm working with them, is that you're putting your content out there, and especially with podcasts, right? The only the only real metric we have is downloads. And that mm -hmm. really doesn't, I mean, we could see, depending on how much money you're paying for your hosting package, but you could see geography, or you might be able to see like how many females versus males or whatever it is. But really at the end of the day, you, you can't you can't see that. So you don't know the impact you're having until somebody reaches out to you and says, man, that episode really, you know, impacted me or changed my thinking on this or something else like that, which is if I could take a, a step forward here, what introduces them to the business story framework, because it is a very different way of thinking. You know, a lot of people, what they're doing, I see this out there anyways, for people wanting to get into digital advertising and stuff is that they're trying to take what worked for them in a magazine 20 or 25 years ago and trying to translate that into Facebook or something else. When, you know, the very heart of a lot of the platforms we got out there, social media is the social aspect, right? It's about, you know, making sure that you're engaging and building your relationship with your clients, i.e. telling a story. Like every time you put out a piece of content, it, it should tell some kind of a story, even if that story is done visually. And it's interesting that you, that you bring up the, the, the podcast angle and the fact that you're, you're impacting people. And I think I went off on a tangent there. <laughs> no, that's great. So let's talk about how you are applying the story cycle program, because I know you live and eat and breathe this stuff. So it's <laughs> like, it's not that hard to see. 
but how are you applying your system, the story cycle system to your podcast? Yeah. Now let me uh, bring you up to speed a little bit on what I do these days. So like any new territory, you dive in whole hog and you learn all the complexities of it. And you try to get your arms around it, which I did through Hollywood, through the hero's journey, through the 15 story beats of Blake Snyder and save the cat to the seven or eight Ooh, steps. Heard that in a while. Yeah. You know, the Pixar way to all of these involved complex story structures. As I learned this, I wanted to keep simplifying it. Then I came across the five primal elements of a short story for big impact that you can tell in under a minute to make your business point for you and really get your audience leaning in, which led me to, well, a decade ago in 2013, Dr. Randy Olson, Harvard PhD evolutionary biologist turned USC film school grad, documentary maker who has written seven books now teaching scientists how to use story structure to communicate their big ideas. In his second nice. book called Connection, I read about this little framework called the and button, therefore the ABT that he had identified from not only his Hollywood days, but actually from South Park. South Park, uh, Matt Stone and Trey Parker use this thing called the rule of replacement when they're writing scripts. If a script isn't working for them, they take out the ands and they replace them with buts and therefores. So what happens, <laughs> what most of us do is we and, and, and our audiences to death. We never get to the point or the action of the story. We always remain in right. exposition or act one. You get one and, and then you get a but. And the but is the trigger word. That means our plot has just shifted, which triggers our curiosity in our limbic system. It's like, oh my God, what's going to happen next? Then you get the therefore. And, but, therefore, or A, B, T. So in all of my training, you know, and I work with everything from the, the four-star generals in the Air Force out of Washington, D.C., to Home Depot, to Banner Health, to Lixel, I mean, to Carry, to, it goes on and on with these large brands, but also small ones as well. I don't start with the story cycle system. It's too big and involved. I start with the and button, therefore, um, because that's nice. what builds your narrative intuition. So let me give you an example of the shortest ABT that I'm always asked, what is the shortest ABT part that actually uses story structure to trigger us? And it's this, you are an executive who communicates and cares, but bores. Therefore, tell a story. So I've used act one with the and, statement of agreement. Act two is now the action, but you're boring. Oh my God, what are we going to do about right. it? it? It calls for a resolution. Therefore, tell a story. Now I can expand that even more. It is not a story in and of itself, but it uses the three forces of every story. That is agreement, set up, you know, validating someone's world, contradiction, the but, here's the problem we're solving for, and then the therefore resolution. Here's the consequence of that contradiction or the resolution we're looking for. You can go right through the hero's journey or the 15 story beats of Blake Snyder and see that they are grouped in order with these three framework, these three steps in there, and but therefore. So let me expand that and button, therefore, for you a little bit. And I'm doing this for your listeners because you can start applying this right away. You, yes. are, an, you are an executive that wants to connect with your communities and your colleagues. And if you can really connect on a deep level, then you can move them to action. But you're not connecting because you're leading with logic and reason when what your audiences really want is the emotional appeal of a story. Therefore, begin with the and but and therefore the ABT to hack through the noise and hook your audience from the very start. And then you can go on and on and on. So whenever I'm doing a show, I will always do the intro in an and button, therefore, to set it up for my listeners and to get me super focused on what the theme is for that particular show. I will literally 
recite an and button therefore up top. I will use it to set up my guest a little bit later in after I do the whole intro. And then I'll even use the ABT throughout the show because I want my show to have this and but therefore framework to it as well. Meaning my guest comes on and that and statement of agreement is let's learn about your backstory. Tell us a little bit about this and I'm setting them up as the expert. Okay. But where has it gone wrong? Or, but where have you seen other people go wrong, you know, that you learn from and that's what you're teaching. Therefore, what are the outcomes that you're going to be teaching us today to get us through this? If you are really strong with that and and but building huge conflict and statement of agreement, here's what a brighter day looks like tomorrow, but here's the problem why you currently don't have it. The more contradiction you have there, the longer your audience will give you for your therefore resolution. So that's where all of my stuff starts. And my every single show I do is based on an ABT. I'm always thinking about that throughout the show. I love it. And I think I'm going <laughs> to... I think I'm going to play around with it for this particular podcast because I like that framework. So I'm going to throw a butt in here. Yep. You got it. So, so you're already comfortable behind the mic. You've decided to get into podcasting. You've got your story framework. You're, you are just ready to go. When you first get into podcasting, what was one of the biggest struggles that you had? Uh, quality of sound. I kept messing with different, you know, you're on Zencaster here. I started with Zencaster. Actually, I started with Zoom, hated the quality of sound. Then I went to Zencaster. Yes. I was messing around with different microphones. It all sounded a bit cheesy to me. And then I was really lucky because I've got a buddy of mine up in Seattle, Washington named Paul Herrick, who I grew up with. I've known him since the third grade. Paul is a complete audiophile and to support me. He goes, man, I love your show, but you got to get your audio better. So he bought me and sent me a Sony mic and uh, the, the audio box uh, uh, device, MIDI device. He sent me $400 of audio equipment to support me in my effort. How cool is that? I mean, and then nice. once I got that dialed in, then I started feeling more comfortable with the audio quality of my show. <clears throat> it took a year or two before I really found a format for the overall show that I liked. And now I'm, I love what we do, the way we set it up, the way we do a poll quote from a guest. And it just takes a while. It just, it's, they're never sure. perfect. You just got to get in and just got to do them. And then you're going to find your own pace, your own format that works for you. And I'm glad you pointed that out because you, you have to keep working at it. Right? You're never going to be perfect on the very first try, but it's more important for you to get that first episode out so you can make the second, so you can make the third. So along the way, you can make incremental improvements mm -hmm. to, to just get better. You know, with regards to the audio quality, and you said you were on your search for it and everything else, and I face this myself, I'm a little bit of a perfectionist, uh, which can sometimes just really slow me down. How did you get over that to just get your first episode out and say it's done? Oh, that's just the way I'm built. I just go for it. I give myself a deadline nice. and I produced five shows before I even launched my first one. And I was on a deadline for myself. I was my own client. And so instead of working with clients through Park & Co, Business of Story became a Park & Company client. And it was up to me to get the guests, to do the recordings, and just wing it at first until I could figure out what in the world I was really doing. But the one thing that, that kind of saved me and I think was really great advice is you can almost take your ego out of it. So my ego is obviously yes. at play and I wasn't crazy about the quality of it in the format. That's all my ego talking, but ask yourself, how am I in service to my listener? Once you really get straight with that, all of a sudden your ego falls away and you're like, I don't really care if it's perfect. What I want to absolutely make sure is I provide actionable, interesting, entertaining content so that they don't feel like they ever wasted a moment with me. So just ask yourself that question. Don't worry about perfection. Just how are you in service to your listener? One of the things I saw, it was a, a video on Facebook from a coach who was talking about, if you know that you have this perfectionist mentality, you have to understand something that perfectionism is about you. It's not about how you're serving your client. So in that moment, when you're like, oh, everything has to be perfect, you're making it about you. You need to come from a place of service 
and think about your client. And the best way to do that is to get your message, your advice, your story out in front of them. Because the only person really at the end of the day, who's going to notice the mistakes is you. <laughs> so well, one the of the point, biggest lessons I had to learn. Yeah. And Cliff, I would say if people are out there going, oh my goodness, that's me. My ego's totally in the way. I don't want them to feel bad. Look at that as a human condition. We all yes. have that and we all yes. suffer from it every single yes. day. But if you're getting really stressed out about it, it's probably because you've made it about you and not about your listener. And as soon as you make that change, yes. all of a sudden life becomes a lot easier. And you have a lot more fun with it. Too. You do. And that's, I think that's a key tenement to getting into to podcasting is just, you got to remember to have fun with the platform. You can't be serious 24 seven. People are going to find you boring. Your personality doesn't come through. You got to be able to just relax, get on that microphone and just riff out a really good solo episode or have a really good interview with somebody. Like you said, it's a great platform for learning things you don't know. Yeah. That's the most beautiful part of it. I mean, talking about self-interest is you get on experts that really enlighten you about so many different things. So that's where it right. really plays for a host. I mean, it's such added value to you as a host. It's unbelievable. And the other thing is it, it grows your network among these people. So when I go on the speaking circuit, I'll be over in San Diego at Social Media Marketing World here March 14th, 15th, 16th. This will be the sixth oh, nice. year I'm there and I do a 90-minute business of story workshop to kick off the whole thing. But when I'm there, I get nice. to run into all these people that I've had on the show and they become kind of friends, even though you don't know them that well, but you have right. had this intimate, powerful conversation with them. And that's something that I think any show host should never devalue. That that is like one of the most important things of hosting a podcast. Yeah, exactly. Building up that network. Definitely one of the top points of having a podcast. Uh, so we talked about what was one of your, you know, what was your biggest struggle to when you were getting started? Why don't you share with us one of your biggest successes or a couple of successes that you've had with the podcast? Hmm. I wonder how you would define that. So I'll leave that up to you. <laughs> I suppose one of the biggest successes is when you can go out and you can land some sort of superstars in their field to come on the show and talk about yes. story in their own way. One of my favorites is a gentleman by the name of Kenny Aronoff. And if you don't know that name immediately, I'll put it into context. He was a drummer for uh, John Cougar Mellencamp for 17 years. And he's Whoa. gone on to uh, do a whole ton of records with about every superstar out there you could imagine. And Kenny nice. is ranked in Rolling Stone magazine among the top 100 best rock and roll drummers ever. And he is an absolute hoot and a gentleman. And he was just so much fun to have on the show. He and I have become fast friends through all of that. So that's nice. one of the successes because you get to kind of highlight a big time star and how they use it. And then you befriend them at that Derek Thompson, uh, uh, writer for the Atlantic that I was able to get on my show. David Siegel from NPR came on. So to me, those are some of my personal superstars. It's fun to have them on the show personally to get yeah. them out there, but really probably the greatest wins are when I get those emails and it could be from some show that I thought was average. Maybe I didn't think the guest right. was as dynamic as I wish they could have been, but they obviously had dropped some wisdom bombs where I will have just a random individual write me a note and say, Oh, thank you so much for having Cliff on the show last week. What he said about such and such completely rocked my world. I'd never thought it that way of it that way. I tried it and it's been amazing. So thank you. Keep doing what you're doing. Whenever I get those, those are the biggest wins. Yeah. Yeah. It's awesome when you get notes from people you've never even heard of before talking about how you've, you know, you had an impact on them. And that, that to me is the most important thing. You know, yeah. if I can through this podcast here, if I can help one entrepreneur, avoid pod fade. If I can help one entrepreneur land a client, if I can help one entrepreneur be able to make, you know, payroll because of through podcasting or something else like that, then all this effort to me was absolutely yeah. worth it. So I definitely, for me anyways, I definitely appreciate that because part of my personal mission statement is about the impact that I want to have on the world. And I know not everybody's going to work, want to work with me, 
I totally accept that and I'm fine with it. But if one episode that I put out there can help somebody to bridge a gap or, you know, like I said, be able to get a client or something else like that, then mazel tov. I'm, <laughs> I'm all for that. So, you know, that's, Cliff, that's really one good way stuff. you had asked earlier about marketing and how you use it. One really great thing I found with my podcast is if I'm in a biz dev mode, someone's called, they're interested in something, they have a particular request about storytelling within their organization. I, out of right. 350 episodes, always have one episode that I can point them to that is yes. the very problem they have. And what better way? And here's what I do. So maybe I have that conversation at 10 in the morning and I follow up. Hey, thanks. And here's some, by the way, you might want to listen to episode number 362 and I'll have a link in there who the guest is on it. The main thing we talked about, and I'll even guide them. I said, on your drive home tonight. Just go ahead and plug it in and you'll hear yes. how they addressed it. So what are you doing is you're giving them added value immediately and yes. you get to accompany them on their ride home. So you are there, yes. they're listening to you and it's like Preach an it. ongoing sales engagement, <laughs> but you're delivering massive amounts of value. You're not selling, you're just sharing with and I'm glad you point that out because that's one of the things that, you know, when I'm talking with my clients is to keep in mind, because they're always asking me like, what, what types of content can I put out there? What can I do about this? And I always tell them some of the things that you can talk about is your FAQs, right? Because you know, your people are going to be reaching out and want to do work with you. And they're going to say, yeah, so what about this? Or what about that? Da, 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 da. The best thing you can do is reply to them and say, Hey, here's the short answer, but I go a lot further in this episode. And like you said, you get to spend. 20 to 30 minutes on their commute home in their ear, mm -hmm. arguing for why you can help them solve their problem, why they should do business with you. This is the power. When I talk about like, you know, podcasting, building relationships, this is huge because you won't get that from a Facebook post. You won't get that from an Instagram reel, but man, when they're driving home, like I said, it's almost like you're sitting in a car with them Yeah, and just be like, okay, so let's talk about your problem. You know, I, I stumbled across this. This is use your ABT. <laughs> the perfect <laughs> to tell a really good story. ABT. You know, you actually start that yes. email with an ABT. So Sharon, you told me you wanted this and it's important to you because of this, but you currently don't have it. Therefore, I want you to listen to this particular episode that covers this, this, and this on your way home tonight. And if you like, ping me tomorrow with any questions, man, yeah. even if they don't, they appreciate the fact that you did it. They look at your show yes. graphic and there's that celebrity attached to it. They're like, oh, Park's already covered this thing. So I don't got to bring him up to speed with me. And then if they do listen yes. to it, you've triggered this reciprocity thing because you've just given them all this wisdom. And they're like, you're my guy. You're my gal. Bring you on in. <laughs> yeah, I love it. And it, you know, the good thing is with that is, especially if that episode's good, it's compelling. You know, you're telling a story like you were just saying there. Odds are they're going to listen to another episode. They're going to go through and they're going to find another episode to be like, Hey, you know what? I was wondering about that. Or, Oh my God, I can't believe they had this guest on there. I want to listen to that. And for, for having a podcast out there, and this is the only time I really pay attention to downloads, but I know you've done it as well because you're a podcaster, but I love it when I'm looking at my downloads graph and all of a sudden I see like a huge spike one day because I know somebody's found that podcast and they've gone back and started at episode one and now they're listening to all of them. Again, nobody's going to go back and look at your Instagram reels from day one. Nobody's going to look at your Facebook posts from day one, but they will consume your podcast content from episode one, which is great. So I'm tickled pink. You brought that up. <laughs> yeah. Uh, podcasting is evergreen certainly. And you can go back and cherry pick and share them, but I got to confess cliff. I rarely, uh Oh, ever look at my analytics. I have someone else that does that because here's the thing I've learned and it was before podcasting and it was while in the advertising world that you can produce two TV commercials, two radio spots in the same campaign. One of them will pull amazingly well. The other one, eh, no, nah, not so great. And you can sit and analyze those and look at them and try to figure out why the hell did this one work and this one didn't? And I have found that is true with my shows that, again, I will put out what I kind of like sometimes feel like it might be a little bit of a dog show and it'll freaking go through the roof. And then I'll produce like this amazing show, I think, and it'll go meh on me. I do not know 
what the rhyme or reason is for that. So my default is, if I look at analytics, sometimes they depress me because I think a show that should have done really well doesn't do as well as one that I had no clue would do as well as it does, which is just confusing right. to me. So I go back to my singular analytic in my brain. How am I of service to my audience today? What is the focus of this show? How can I show up and just give it my best and leave it at that? Let the numbers take care of themselves. And that's what works for me anyway. I really do want to ask this question. You've given out so much really great advice uh, in this episode. I'm actually going to be, I love that ABT thing. I'm going to be doing some more research and incorporating that into my interviews because I think that will level them up. Well, can I so, share something with here's you a on the ABT? Yeah, go. Here's the yeah. deal. I've got two I'm going to sell now, but it's really cheap and it's hugely powerful. I've got two short ABT courses. One's called the ABTs of selling, which is 18 minutes, three short videos by me walking you through how to use the ABTs for your sales and marketing. I launched that in May and it blew up. It's been huge. I've had people saying, Park, when are you going to come out with an ABTs of branding? Which I just did. I launched it on Valentine's Day for the love of story. There's right. now the ABTs of branding. They're both $35. You can go in. The ABTs of branding is a little bit longer. It's just under 30 minutes because I have more examples in there of how brands use them. I will be coming out with the ABTs of leadership here in another couple of weeks. But you can find those two courses on Thinkific. I don't know if you're familiar with the Thinkific platform. If yep. you go to businessofstory.thinkific.com or go to my website and we'll link you over there. You can take either one of those courses or you can take both of them. I have people that, that have first done leadership and then branding. The point is you learn the same dynamics on how to use the ABT in all of your messaging. One is just simply focused on sales and marketing. The other one is absolutely focused on narrative brand development. It is not the 10-step story cycle system. It's the three steps of the and button, therefore, and how to find your core position statement and even your tagline out of that little ABT exercise. I love it. For our audience, we will make sure to have those links done in the show notes down below because I sense my wallet getting about $70 lighter. <laughs> I do want to ask this final question though. Uh, and so it's like actually like the main purpose of this particular podcast. I want to help the entrepreneur out there who has a podcast, who's struggling. What is like a piece of advice or maybe a couple pieces of advice that you would have for that entrepreneur who is maybe like at 10 episodes or 15 episodes and it's just for whatever reason or another, they're not finding their rhythm, they're struggling, whatever it might be. It's what Joe Polizzi told me. You just got to keep going. If you are 10 or 15 episodes in, that means you're 10 or 15 weeks in, maybe if you're doing it weekly or you're a few months in, you got to give it right. a year and a half. I mean, I just don't know any of them that blow up without a good solid year and a half. So you got to believe. Number two, you got to like it. You got to enjoy doing it. I love doing it and I still get burned out, but I still do it. <laughs> yes. You know, just because I do ultimately like it and I know that I'm helping lots of people out there. So I think it's soul searching, Cliff. I think it's ultimately coming down and asking yourself, do you really love it? If you don't really love it, then maybe you're not in, maybe it's not for you. There's another avenue for you to do it. If you really love it and you're still getting burned out, suck it up and just keep going. And the third thing I would say, and I've done this on mine and I still do it today. You really love it. You get kind of burned out. Maybe you're feeling a little stale, mix it up a little bit. So I will start my show with a typical show music open. And then I'll do a, a quick little intro, then a soundbite for my, my, my guest, then the backstory and the guest, and then we get into the show. But like the other day, I started with Bill Haley in the comments, uh, rock around the clock, because I was trying to make a point about how that song got famous and it was going to be the whole premise for the whole show. So I threw my audience an utter curveball. They were not expecting that. On Valentine's Day, I did a special show with just me, no guests at all. And I don't know if you know who Stan Freeberg is, but he's an ad guy who passed away about a year ago. But before that, he was a cartoon character voice for Looney Tunes and the Bugs Bunny Roadrunner Hour. And he was a comedian that did these marvelous, marvelous records from the 50s and 60s. Well, he's got this really goofy 
take on uh, these two people. It's just him doing the voices, but it's John, Masha, 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 John. And all he does is use the names back and <laughs> forth to, to evoke this romance going on for two minutes. Well, I started my Valentine's Day show with that. Go check it out. You can listen to it. And in between the Johns and Marshes, I would jump in and talk about the show and what's coming up and have some fun for Valentine's Day on it. And then I just oh, produced cool. a show today that's going to come out next week. And it's going back to my standard, you know, show open, little announcement up top and doing it. So I mix it up for me, but I'm also mixing it up for my listeners just to kind of keep them on their toes to say, I wonder what the hell he's up to this week. Some of it works, some of it doesn't, but it sure is fun because it keeps it lively. I'm glad that you put that in there because there's a... Uh... I want to say there's a certain, almost like a certain liberation of putting a little bit of creative element into, you know, what you're doing. So like, for instance, for this particular podcast here, I've got a set of questions I'd like to ask each guest, but I try to mix it up in that I always ask follow-up questions. I never know what they are ahead of time. And I don't know until my guest starts talking. So that way, when they say something and I'm like, oh, I need to go back and explore that a little bit more, right? Let's talk about that a little bit more. And for me, I think that that helps me to keep this fresh in my mind as well as, you know, just asking different questions because there's no two interviews that are ever going to be the same. Every entrepreneur is different. Everybody's using podcasting differently. And so when I go up there and I just start getting them to share their story, everybody's story is different. Everybody's story is unique to them. So by just, just paying attention during, you know, the interview process and just asking the questions and asking follow-up questions. Uh, in my mind, helps to keep this whole thing fresh. I find that if I listen to a podcast where the host is asking the same set of questions to every single person, I get bored Oh yeah, fast. I mean, after like two or three episodes, it's like, okay, so now they're going to ask this question. And now they're going to ask this question. I get what you're saying when you're talking about uh, doing a little bit of, you know, variety, you know, and just splash something different, you know, keep, keep the audience guessing. Well, you know, Larry King, who is a famous, famous, maybe yes. the most famous interviewer, he would never do any research on his guests, or if they were showing up to promote the book, he would never even read the book or even look at the cliff notes. He right. always wanted to be there and just be on the edge of his seat and be curious and see where that interview went because he felt like if he was entertained and sucked into it, then he was doing the good job for his viewers and his listeners. And I used to be where I would read every book that came to me and then yes. try to make up my notes and go through it. Now I, I will scan them, so I'll have a clue because I want to find yep. that ABT theme. I want to find that singular focus, and then I jump into it and see where the interview takes us. But I'm always keeping that ABT in the back of my mind to make sure it's focused. Nice. And speaking of which, when I first got into podcasting back in the day, you know, I would get somebody to say yes to being on my podcast. I would have an hour-long pre-interview call with them, just drilling them on their backstory. I would take tons of copious notes. And then I would ask all unique questions to them for the interview. And that added like two to three hours before I even interviewed them, right, yeah. to, to my process. And I just realized one day that first off, I'm getting like 12 downloads. <laughs> <laughs> so, but the second thing is, is I actually heard uh, Larry King talk on the Tim Ferriss show. And I don't know if that was the first time he said it, or he's probably said it multiple times, but he actually made that comment about how he doesn't do any research on any of his guests. And I'm yeah. like, well, shoot, if that's good enough for Larry King, that's good <laughs> enough for me. You know, cause he was like one of the guys that I picked when, when I got into podcasts and I'm like, I want to be Larry King. I want to be like Cliff King, right? Yeah. I want to be that next guy. And when he said that, I was like, shoot, man, I'm just, I got to stop doing that. So my, my podcast production schedule went from 12 hours down to 10 and I was doing jumping jacks, right? I was like, yeah, yeah it's so cool. So well, now the thing is um, though, Larry King is very, very, or was very, very well read. You know, he had his pulse yes. on a lot of different things. And so you can do that in your own specialty. I have read about everything I can possibly digest uh, and make sense of in the storytelling world from Hollywood to business, to marketing, to sales. So I am well versed in it. That's my job. So I need to be there so I can bring people in but I can play off of all this other stuff, I've all this knowledge I've gained to help guide that interview. That's the same thing you can do in your particular show. You don't have to be an expert on world affairs and COVID and the, you know right. politics or anything. Be that world expert 
in your domain. And then as you are interviewing people, you can be the Larry King playing off of that expertise and then let those stories, let those conversations just come somewhat organically as long as you have a focus for the interview. Yeah, exactly. Great piece of advice. So if somebody's listening to this podcast, so they kind of want to, they want to check out what it is you're doing. They find, find your website, find you out on the socials, whatever. What's the best way for them to connect with you online? Yeah. LinkedIn is where I really like to be connected with. And I've got an unusual name. It's just Park, P-A-R-K, Howell, H-O-W-E-L-L. So you can find my handle very easily. I'm also the same handle nice. on Instagram and, and Twitter and Facebook and so forth. But LinkedIn is where I do most of my communicating. <clears throat> Come on over to businessofstory.com and you can get all my information there and whatever. And then finally, Cliff, what I'd like to do is I'm not sure when is this episode is actually going to air, but what I'd like to do is create a promo code for your listeners to get $10 oh, off each, either one or both of those courses. And I'm going to give you the promo code right now. And it is Cliff, A-B-T, C-L-I-F-F-A-B-T. And what I want to do is know when you think the show's going to air, and I'm going to make that uh, promo code live for 30 days. So your listeners can go there and have access to the course for 30 days for $10 off e either one or both of those courses. Nice. So thank you for doing that. That's really very generous. When this interview goes live for the people that are listening out there, they can definitely take advantage of that code. So, Absolutely. Um, but yeah, I will definitely let you know. We'll, we'll coordinate that, but yes, thank you for that. That's very generous. My, ha my, yeah, I'm happy to do it. I would give it away, but I found there's no value to someone if they get it for free that you got to invest exactly. in yourself. You got to invest in your story. I'm obviously not getting rich on this, but I want you to be able to use the ABT because I found it to be the single most powerful framework where all really solid business storytelling begins. Nice. And thank you so much for that. And Park, it's been, man, it's been awesome having you on the show today. And I'd, I'd like to reach out because I, I could talk all day about story here and I know we're bumping up against the hour, but I'd love to reach out to you again in the future and just talk another, another story about this. Cause I think being able to communicate your story via podcasting, just ridiculously powerful. So, you know, I'd love to have you back on the show again at some point in time in the future and uh, talk some more. This is great stuff. Well, anytime, Cliff, and it's my honor to be here. Thank you so much for having me on your show today. Hey, everyone. I want to let you know that enrollment for our free five-day Start My Business podcast challenge is officially open. If you're an entrepreneur and you're thinking a podcast would be a great way to grow your business, but you're not sure how to start one, then this challenge is for you. This challenge is designed by entrepreneurs for entrepreneurs. Now, within the five-day challenge, you'll go from ground zero to having a fully operational podcast that you can use to start growing your business. I'll be sharing with you simple tips and tricks that took me years to learn that will prevent you from spending hours on one episode. Head over to startmybusinesspodcastchallenge.com or click on the link in the show notes down below. We'll see you there.